1: Hello and welcome to the UK Film Review Podcast. We're back with another festival special episode and today we're going to be reviewing the entries in the best crime thriller category and joining me making his first uh, appearance on the UK Film Review Podcast is Alistair McCrae. Hi Alistair, how are you? Hello, I'm good, thanks you. Yeah, I'm very well, especially now we've sorted out the technical problems that we're having. Um, I'm glad that sometimes I come on here with Brian and me and Brian spend the first hour of us just trying to get the technical issues solved. And we've done it in about 10 minutes with you. So I feel like we're already on to a winner. At least we feel a bit better, I guess. <laughs> um, so you've been with the site for a while. You've been doing lots and lots of reviews over the last. Um, how long have you been with this, actually? Uh,
2: I think since roughly the start of the year. I've done a few and I was going to say there's a couple of other films throughout the festival to check out as well that I really enjoyed, including A Moral Man and The Manager Position that we're not going to cover today.
1: Yeah, I know you've done, uh, yeah, you've covered a few of those. Um, Some of them have been reviewed before. So yeah, fantastic. And um, yeah, thank you so much for all the reviews you've been doing. And thank you for joining me uh, for this episode because... Got some some great films. We're going to touch base on all of them, but two of them have been reviewed on the podcast before. So, uh, sometime else, I reviewed with Jason recently, and Coast Road I reviewed with Brian way back uh, as one of the first episodes for the festival that we did. So, I'm not going to go too much into my feelings on those films because you can check that out. But I will obviously um, chat with Alistair about that and get his feedback on those. Um, we're also going to be reviewing The Saint and The Night Out. Um, so you can check all of these films out at the film festival. If you're listening to this after the festival, then feel free to reach out to us if you want to find these films uh, and we'll do our best to hook you up with the filmmakers so that you can uh, find out because sometimes these films are on Vimeo or on YouTube or they're on Amazon Prime, or it might be there at another festival and you can go, um, go see them there. But for now, what we're going to do is we're going to review these four films and uh, let's get started. So we're going to start with *Sometime time else. Um, how did you uh, feel about this one, Alistair? Yeah, I quite enjoyed it. It's got a very
2: Black Mirror-esque vibe. It's uh, a conversation between a character reminiscing about his past and uh, a therapist and a kind of dislocated other place so he's in a cafe uh remembering his first date with his girlfriend and there's a kind of element of you need to look deeper through the story there's a reason why he's looking back on this memory and the therapist is trying to help him and looking into this memory for a specific reason
1: yeah really kind of um gets you going this film because to begin with it starts quite kind of placidly almost feels like it's okay this is an interesting idea of someone being able to go through therapy but be in their memories and Mm -hmm. and that idea starts uh you know that's a strong idea in itself but as you might have guessed obviously being in the crime thriller genre that something else is going on here and there's more to it and as it kind of evolves it becomes more and more compelling more and more thrilling um what did you think about the uh the performances in this one?
2: Yeah, I quite enjoyed it. There are signs early on that something is wrong with the lighting being quite bright. And the character, Josh, played by Sean Joseph Young, uh, he's wearing school uniform and he looks a bit too old to be. And so is the the interesting contrast there between the actor and the relationship he has with the memory. And then uh, there are points where it's just his voice or the therapist's voice and the balance between the two of them. And it's quite an interesting Conversation between
1: the two of them, I would say. Mm. and he's great, isn't he? I think, like, actually, so yeah. Uh, spoilers, everyone. There's spoilers uh, in these episodes, but <laughs> the um, yeah, the the character who plays the sort of school Josh, shall we say, is is very good. I think he does really well, um, because he's kind of acting almost independently, like he's in a scene with lots of other people, but because he's acting with the therapist, who's in a obviously completely different setting, it's quite a hard performance to give. You've know, got nothing to go on, no one to really react with. I'm not sure how they filmed it in terms of whether the other actor was there yeah. or, or anything like that, but to read. Yeah. Cause he, you yeah. Know, it's you... quite exposition heavy. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Which you have, to... sci-fi is like, right. sci-fi is always <laughs> like, got that in there, but I think that hats yeah. off to, to the, to the guy. Cause I think he, he does really well with do, balancing both sides of it, like having that therapy session whilst being in this memory. And yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, and I thought the chemistry between him and the therapist was really good.
2: Yeah. It's kind of unsettling because one's quite clinical, I think the therapist, and then he's adding a lot of color and emotion with the way that he's delivering his lines.
1: Mm, yeah. And, be, and that, obviously plays an important part as the narrative develops, like him becoming more emotional. It starts to disturb and distort the actual um, memory sequence and things like that. And him getting a few things wrong that she sort of is pressing him on. And yeah, I thought that was one of the aspects to it. I really enjoyed was his almost kind of derailing, like you're watching it and he, at the beginning he kind of feels in control, even though he seems to be uh, talking about, A memory that is emotional but he becomes more and more kind of um unstable so yeah um any other aspects to sometime else that you really liked
2: um i don't know i think it makes good use of split screen Mm. um and then i think it's there's a good story in the way that it lingers with you after it finishes it's one of those uh where you do think about it later on or the next day, like a good Black Mirror episode or something.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I think the thought-provoking aspect to it is there. You've got the the tension being vamped up the whole time. I I enjoyed the performance. I thought they were really good. I thought the the script played out brilliantly. Um, yeah, I think there are a few things that you can kind of nitpick about it if you you wanted to sort of say like there were issues. But for me. I thought it was a really strong, strong uh, short film. Um, we've got it up for best short film, best drama, and best crime thriller. So, yeah, really, really uh, chuffed that that's in the festival. Um, so that was directed by James Cleve, and it's called Sometime Else. So if you can uh, watch it at the festival, let us know what you think. Uh, you can leave reviews at the festival, um, and you know, let us know what you've seen and what you thought of it. And you can also submit audio reviews, so we may play them on the podcast. Okay. Moving on to the other one we've already reviewed, Brian Steins' Coast Road, uh, indie feature film from Ireland. And uh, are you happy to give the the plot synopsis on this, Alistair, or do you rather I do it?
2: Uh, Yeah, I'll
1: go for it. So it
2: starts with, it's another person going back into their memory. It's an older man looking at his memory as a teenager of a coach tour that he took with a few members of the local community. And then all of a sudden, someone on the bus winds up dead. And then they start having a bit of suspicion amongst the group. The bus driver seems totally lost in the situation. And he's very concerned that someone's
1: died on his bus. And maybe there's something else as Well done. Yeah, brilliant, (laughs) brilliant recap. Uh, And it's been a while since I saw this. Uh, I have not watched it since we reviewed it. Um it's the kind of film that I would revisit because I think there's a lot to enjoy. I especially like the the coastal settings and, and all the places they go to. I think that's part of the vibe is that you've got this picturesque landscape that feels quite kind of remote and isolated. And then you've got this uh, escalating uh, plot and narrative developing on the bus that's quite insular and... Mysterious. There's a lot of um, contrast going on there. I really did enjoy this. Um, Is there any uh, aspect to it that you found particularly great?
2: Yeah, I quite enjoyed it. I find it quite hard to talk about this one and the last one in particular because there's a point afterwards where you can't... You don't want to spoil it for people. Sure. But in terms of the greenery and the setting uh, and being on the bus, how everyone's trapped together... And they're having these quite public conversations and then they all get off the bus and they're all having the they pair off. and They're quite private conversations. I thought that's quite an interesting structure to it. Uh, I liked the idea. There are these community stereotypes. So there's the gossiping and local disdain and this idea that they all think that they know each other. But how much do they really know each other? I think that's uh, quite well phased out throughout the film. Yeah,
1: yeah, because they play on the idea of like, this community and everyone seems to know everything going on about everyone else, but they don't necessarily know what's going on like kind of right in front of them and with their immediate um locals. And yeah, I think that's a really interesting part of the story.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um and then just the setting of the bus with the greenery whizzing by in the background, it makes for quite a quite a pleasant backdrop. And then the camera gets quite uh, close to people it invades their private space. I know on the other podcast you spoke about uh, you didn't like it bouncing around too much. <laughs> yeah, I felt quite sick after a while. <laughs> yeah, but I, d- I didn't find that too bad, and it's not a whole festival, so you're not on the big screen feeling that bouncing around, I guess.
1: Yeah, no, and it's it's one of those films that once you get into that feel like I actually don't suffer from car sickness or anything like that it was just like, something I noticed I noticed the camera so whenever that happens I always kind of think why am I noticing the camera right now like I shouldn't that's not the aim of the filmmaker I should be immersed and I think it was just because it happened to be yeah they're they're filming on a bus like it's fair enough it's, it's difficult to do and like you say it's almost important because they're they're pushing the camera into the characters you know moving them into their personal space so that you have a, an aspect of invading their privacy that's really essential to get across the point of the story. So yeah, I understand why it had to happen. It's just, yeah, something I particularly noticed. So that's why I sort of didn't really like it. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think the um, the scenery and everything like that really works. And I liked that it was the kind of film that felt quite self-contained. You, you, you jump into this person's memory and they're narrating narrating it, and you get this kind of plot that envelops, and then they just move away again. It's almost as if there could have been a lot more before and a lot more after, but you don't get any of that. You just get this, like, bus journey, um, and everything happens in that time. And I'm always a big fan of... I'm not sure if this is in real time, but it feels kind of... It's all in, it's all in one day, right? But I think I like those films where they, they keep it all contained. Did, was that something that you noticed or, or enjoyed? It's not something I think about. I guess
2: I don't I don't think around the film too much. I go and I enjoy the experience of the film. But uh, I think the narration does help with that uh, when you sit with it afterwards and it gestates as to what you've seen, not necessarily either end of it, but what has happened in that community and uh, how they all think of each other.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so that was Coast Road. And, you know, feel free to go back and listen to my and Brian's thoughts on it um, a few a few months back. And also, yeah, check it out at the festival if you can. It's up for Best Crime Thriller. Um, okay, yeah. so next up, we are heading to Australia for the short film The Saint, directed by JJ Jigeth- Jigeth- Jigethson. I'm so sorry, I don't know how to say that last name. How would you say that last name, Alistair? I had a lot of practice before and I'm not sure I'm going to be much better, but I would have said JJ Jigatherson. Jagatherson that's Gatherson. much better than what I did. I may edit this, I may not. Let's just see if I leave that in. Um, yeah, it's a short film. We're highly stylized. With, it's sort of like a black and white uh, film, but with lots of splashes of red because essentially we have a character talking to the camera uh, all about being a serial killer. Killer. Uh, There's a Reservoir a Dog poster in the background, and he's giving these kind of... Um, uh, well, he's giving an exploration of what it means to be a serial killer and why they do certain things and, and why he decided to kill certain people, how it escalated, and it's a very intense... Uh, he's talking to the camera uh, so it's a very intense experience throughout and you feel like you're sort of almost trapped in a room um, what, what do you think about this Saint Alistair? Uh,
2: yeah I quite enjoyed it it's it's just one long menacing monologue uh, with uh, and, yeah you're trapped in one camera position with slight movements slight adjustments to it uh, to emphasise beats on the dialogue and then there are the digital after effects put in like little scribbles and crosses. So that's part visual and there's a lot of sound to accompany each of them. Um, yeah, I thought it was quite a good performance. It does feel very much like an audition tape. And I looked up the writer that it's credited with and he writes audition tapes. So it's it's a long audition tape film. But the performance is very good and
1: yeah. He's the uh, he's the director as well, isn't he, JJ? He's the
2: no uh, no, the writer is someone called Pete Balicki.
1: Yeah, but he's not the he's the director though, isn't he, JJ? Yeah,
2: yeah. Sorry.
1: Yeah. So um, I always I always think that's interesting when you've got someone directing themselves. Um, I find I found the performance; it was kind of elaborate. But it needed to be elaborate, like because it needed to bring you in, and, and obviously, serial killers often have personalities that are very compelling, flamboyant, even sometimes. And I thought that that did come across with the Saint, like he did have this character that you were, uh, I think, um, engaged in and compelled to watch him. Obviously, the character talking through the camera is a very—it's creating a very strong connection straight away, and.
0: Go to bombas.com slash acast and
2: use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash acast code acast.
1: Done and, and why, and like his reasoning behind quite violent, gruesome killings that he's made. That by doing that, not that you feel complicit, but you certainly feel a sense of being involved in his inner feelings is it's a very honest, brutal account and it makes you quite uncomfortable to watch. Like you're watching it and of, you feel a little bit. Uh, and I thought the performance actually did really well to to make me feel that way. Um what did you think?
2: Yeah, uh I think it's quite hard to trust what he's saying because he is being so open. Hmm. Um and I think it's a very hard line to tread to walk along the tightrope of giving a monologue about being a serial killer when if you think about in other films you're often introduced with what they've done beforehand before you step into their actual their actual personality and then just to hear them recounting that back without any uh preconditioning of of the person and for them to create that personality out of it is quite impressive
1: what do you think about the, the whole use of black and white with the but allowing the red to come through
2: uh <laughs> to be honest i'm not i'm not a huge fan of that i like the tints around the glasses uh but i do think uh i'm more interested in how the camera shifts with them very gently i'm more interested in that movement uh i think that's quite a nuanced performance there with the camera just moving just that little bit into his face or out again. I think that's what interests me a bit more.
1: Yeah, and I, I think the the film feels very stylized. So they've got this uh, colour scheme going on. And I'm always kind of suspect of any film that decides to choose black and white because I'm always like, does it need to be black and white? Like, why, why are you doing that? And obviously, maybe linking it to Tarantino uh, obviously with the Reservoir Dogs poster and, and linking it to his style as well, which is always synonymous with strong violence. Um, <clears> there's <throat> obviously maybe a point to it there. But the film is a one-shot, one-take film. Um, and you've got, I believe it's filmed on an iPhone, iPhone 13, that that in itself just shows you like what can kind of be done, I guess, from a filmmaking point of view that, okay, even if you didn't want to go hyper- Stylish like this, that you could have something pretty. It didn't feel low budget, it didn't feel low value or anything like that. It felt really strong actually, and I, I found it. I wasn't ever questioning that because I think the character doesn't really let you to question the other element. There's so much going on with what he's saying that you're not really too much focused on on the the filmmaking because it's not really being uh, considered. To be honest, it's not, not you're not being asked to look at it that. That was really interesting and, and really focusing on what he's saying. But like you say, the audition tape thing does feel quite important. I didn't know that, but now that I know that, it makes me feel, oh, okay, yeah, you can imagine someone going, oh, I'm going to do this and doing it to camera. In one take, You know, it's, it's just going to be a scene, a big long monologue, and I'm going to get like as almost v- villainous and in a cartoonish kind of way as I can because I want to – Create a memorable performance, and I'm not really focused on anything else. Um, But I liked it. I I I found it engaging. I was watching the whole way through. I didn't ever. Sometimes you know with a short film that you're kind of like, all right, yeah, this hasn't really got me. But this did get me, and I I watched all the way to the end. I wasn't clock watching at all, um, and I found that the second half actually got um, yeah, really good. But um, yeah, Uh, anything else to say about the Saint at all, Alistair? Uh, Not about the same in general, but just about
2: audition tapes. It's something that I do consider going into most short films. I don't actually think of like just an actor auditioning, but I'm very wary of are they trying to tell me a story or are they trying to sell me on something in the future? As in, like, are they auditioning in terms of camera work and lighting or whatever? Uh, And that's something that I bring into most short films and then hope that I can get lost before it feels like that. And I do think uh, The Saint does more than enough without feeling you know, like an audition tape. But when you're looking at a straight monologue, it is hard to avoid that.
1: Yeah, because sometimes you're right, like the, a short film is like a proof of concept. It's like, oh, okay, this yeah. is just like, uh, yeah, we're going to go for a feature, so we're going to do it as a short first to show that it works and that everyone likes it and then develop it from there. But with this, I found it kind of like, all right, it's like this one-piece, one-story thing that worked. and Yeah, this is self-contained. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. But interesting Interesting to, to think about that, actually. Uh, because it would apply, potentially, to the next film we're going to review, which is The Night Out. Now, this is directed and written by Jordan Burbank. Me- uh, comes from America, and... It's the story of, well, it's actually it's a period film, so it's set in the 70s, and it's all about these two girls. They're, they're teenagers, and they sneak out of town to go on a like a birthday celebration. They go and check into a motel, head out for the night, have lots of drinks, lots of fun, um, and things happen from there. <laughs> um, so I don't want to go too much more into the plot because I don't feel like I really need to. Um, what did you think about The Night Out, Alistair?
2: I don't think uh, giving away the plot really spoils the film because I think it's quite a polished short film hmm. uh, and uh, whilst we're talking of things being wary going into films, the film did open with a based on a true story, which always nowadays puts me on edge hmm. uh, but in this one, it, in the director's statement, he said that it was based on a
1: true story that he heard word of mouth from a
2: family friend, I think
1: yeah, could well have been. Uh, yeah, yeah, based on the story, friend of his, friend of his. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, and so, I think a lot of the film lies in how it's crafted. So it's the most polished of the four films, and it's got drone shots. It uses coloured lighting. It looks like it's had a pass with uh, colour correction, and it makes a very strong use of uh, things like ambient music. I think it's a very impressive short. And I don't necessarily think it is a proof concept for a feature. I think uh, it does well as just a self-contained story, and it doesn't need to be any more than that. And I think the atmosphere of it and the way it, it's primarily driven by these two characters and creating these two characters with the event that then happens to them as kind of a barrier at the halfway point, I think. I think it does play well
1: yeah I definitely think it is it works totally as a self contained thing but it also could work as a feature like you could stretch this out because of you know the ending not really there's no f- complete finish to the to what's happened um I love the chemistry between the two performers um I thought their friendship and, and their sort of camaraderie was was really believable really enjoyable um and you really get a sense of, <laughs> you, you start to worry almost from the off. Like it's got a lot of cliche things about it. We're going out and we're not telling our parents, you know, we're, we're coming up with a story that we're staying in each other's house. They're obviously too young to be drinking and they're, they're going to go do that. And you just know where it's going. But like you say, I think because it's so polished and because the production is so so good, you're not worried about this being some kind of low level, low budget, effort with a familiar story you just kind of get wrapped up into it you really want to know what's what's happening um i found the score actually was quite good it was kind of like a be building this tension from the beginning um and yeah like you say about the lighting and, and the visuals so like quite a lot of strong americana being put in there um which is always synonymous with american cinema like you've got a lot of genres that rely heavily on that like the idea of going to a motel like that's not something really that happens in other countries so it's always fraught with danger um and yeah i think they're also like on the cusp of going to college so you've got this like coming of age thing there where you've got a character like they're about to make a big mistake because they're on the verge of adulthood so it's playing with a lot of uh familiar aspects but it does it in a way that feels capable it feels like they know what they're doing they know how to tell a good story and never was like bored Mm -hmm. or anything like that
2: yeah uh i think it does well and it seems to be because it's set around this big event that is crafting one of these uh iconic moments of your coming of age and it does that with some of the dialogue isn't necessarily as important as the ambience of it all. There's a scene just before the halfway point where they're both drunk and they've come back to the motel and they're sat outside drinking and this like they've bathed in this blue light and the the music picks up and everything else kind of washes away and like this is their moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah definitely and the the thought of the like you say, the feel of it, the feel of these characters and what they're, as an audience we're watching is kind of going, you're entering danger and you're entering uh, a difficult situation or, or it's on, it's it's coming. Obviously you kind of get an essence of that from the beginning, I think, because uh, there's a bit where she's, she's either buying alcohol or she's getting a lift or something and then we see a character. She's
2: borrowing the car.
1: Yeah, borrowing the car. And you see a character kind of across the road and you kind of already, you're already put on edge, you're already, we're already alert. And actually it's just kind of waiting for it to, to happen. Um, obviously the film's dealing with quite big themes and it's talking a lot about, um, what can happen to women in particular. And I think it does it in a way that's sort of short, sharp and potent, whereas a feature that tried to tell the story is going to need to do a lot more character building and a lot more kind of immersive dialogue whereas like you say it's not so much about what they say it's more about how, they, how it feels while they're saying it um, yeah anything else about the night out that you uh, particularly wanted to shine a light on? Yeah uh, there's just a couple of shots in it that are
2: uh, felt a bit more unique or well crafted there's I don't know we've not really talked about what happens so I don't know if you want to
1: Go for it. We've said spoilers. Go for it.
2: Okay. Well, there's a person who appears to be a serial killer arrives on the scene, and there's quite a a swift kick to their nose through like the Z-axis of the screen, and I thought that worked really well, was really visceral, and works better than it does in even big budget films where they try and cut it too much or whatever. Just for a short film, simple as you like. Good, sh- good shooting. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah definitely that's too many
2: spoilers we
1: can edit i guess no no i think with a film of this length you know we're not dealing with anything very long we sometimes have to go into it and it's a big part of the film so hopefully no one's upset that we've talked about that because i think it's important as well to to go into the film there's still a lot to it so much to to enjoy with this with this short um that that's one of the big reasons to go and watch it uh that bit when it twists and you know he's there I think I I agree that was it it kind of really ramped up in terms of it becoming then you sort of really feel the the crime thriller aspect aspect coming in you're like oh my goodness like yeah okay this is actually quite terrifying there's bits that were actually really scary it it, it almost sort of bordered into the horror genre for me um and I was like okay this is like Obviously, they're not home, but it's home invasion style uh, yeah. st- storytelling, which for me is always like the most terrifying because it's like the most real and the most worrying. So, yeah, I, I for me that made it very powerful and, and very memorable. Um, I think yeah. it's because it's not gratuitous as well. It's just like it's
2: uh, stripped back and it's naturalized uh, in terms of not necessarily how it looks, but there's no extreme violence or anything it feels like it could just be happening
1: yeah absolutely yeah it feels that it's actually a bit more raw and authentic that you know also it being set in the 70s um is really key because i think a lot of these stories don't work anymore because of things like phones and and things like that and you know the modern age whereas you see these crime thrillers from before that and where people are out in the wild obviously they're still relevant they're still really important but it's like it feels all the more dangerous because they aren't able to you know get ubers and use reviews and things like that to make sure that where they're staying is safe and all that sort of stuff um so yeah and also that genre that decade is was home to a lot of great horror films and things like that where these characters were rocking up to motels and things. You know. For me, if I was ever in America, I'd be like, let's not stay at the motel. Like, no, thank you. Like, I'm good. Uh-huh. But yeah, no, really good. Really polished film, as you say, and very much enjoyed watching the night out. If you're able to catch it at the festival, please let us know what you thought. And if we spoiled it for you, Please feel free to keep that to yourself. But no, you can't tell us. You you can let us I don't think it can be spoiled. I
2: don't think us discussing it is going to do half as much justice as actually watching. So.
1: Oh, yeah, 100%. If anything, we've done it a disservice. So please do go watch it. Um, anyway, thank you for, uh, for joining me, Alistair, for this uh, special uh, episode. Um, some great films there to check out, and hopefully audiences will check them out too. Um, Thank you again to all our filmmakers this year who've submitted films. Thank you to everyone who's listened. And it's uh, bye from me and bye from Alistair. And we'll see you again soon.